Good morning, saints. Imagine that, saints, saints of the living God. Wow, what a, what a, a joy that should bring to our hearts, even when we look at 1 Corinthians, right? And that was kind of a messed up church, right? They were confused, they were all over the place with their theology and everything, yet at the very beginning, Paul calls them saints. So what a, what a blessing that God calls us saints. So in Daniel chapter 7, it says this. It says, And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. That is our Savior, Jesus Christ, being presented before God. <laughs> So with that, let's pray. Father, Lord, we just come to you with much gratefulness, Lord, that we can come and we can worship you. Lord, as there are some who aren't here with us, but Lord, they, they worship from home. Lord, we have those who come here in pain, Lord, and we ask that you would take that pain from them, Lord, and that you would heal them, whether it be physical pain or emotional pain, Lord, that you would touch the soul and the body, Lord, and heal, perform a miracle in those lives. Father, grateful for those who have traveled to be with us today. Lord, may your word be a blessing to them today, Lord. Thankful for the faithful here at Faith Bible, Lord, who are here Sunday after Sunday. Lord, what a blessing that truly is. Now, Father, I just pray that your Son would be put on glorious display. That, Father, you would be seen in all your glory, in all your excellence, and in all your splendor. That, Father, we would be in awe of you and what you have done in Christ for us. Lord, we thank you for such a great salvation. May we now turn our attention to your word, Lord. May you open our eyes to see wonderful things from your word, Lord, that our ears would hear and that our hearts would receive the bounty of your word, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. Please open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I am thankful that I am actually through the, well, I thought I was through the tough part, but I'm actually kind of through the tough part, but we still got three more chapters to dig into. So today we're going to look at the household of God. So when I was growing up, my, my parents weren't saved when I was growing up. It was in my teenage years that my mom and dad were saved. So I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and, uh, which I'm thankful for because, you know, then I knew that my, crea- my Christianity was, was real for me because it was something that God worked in my life and it wasn't something I was always raised up with, that it being normal in my life. And so I was thankful for that. But I grew up in a very moral home. But we had rules in our house. 
Don't worry, I'm not going to throw you guys under the bus. <laughs> we, had, we had rules in our house, just like I'm sure everybody has rules in their house, right? There, as kids, there was behaviors we had to have. <clears throat> you know, we had to have respect for my mom, and we had to do chores, and we had to participate in the home stuff. And there was times in our home where, you know, we would hear dad say, you know, I will not tolerate that kind of behavior in this house. And that's what we get to and what God is telling us. This is what Paul <clears throat> is writing to Timothy about. He is saying that there is behavior that is unruly within the church of Ephesus, and we have to deal with it. And as we look at these, this passage today, here's what it says. When we look at the passage today, it's uh, 1 Timothy three fourteen through 16. He says this, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. So in the household of God, there are things that, uh, particular behaviors that, that God would like. Now, we have to go back and we have to look at this, that we can't do this out of a legalistic way. We can't do it out of that. We have to do it out of a heart that is gripped by the gospel. That's how we are with God. We are obedient because we are accepted. We are not obedient to be accepted. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And we see this this beautifulness of all of this in chapter 1. Starting with verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. So you and I are placed in the household of God. Why? Because he chose us according to his love, and he predestined us according to his grace. Nothing of ourselves. We didn't wake up one morning and go like, oh, wow, I really need to be in the household of God today. We didn't do that. God has done all the work. He is the one who has brought us into his household. And we see that if you flip over to Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. We were dead, brothers and sisters. Look at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. So it's God who makes us alive. We are dead, and according to his great love, he has made us alive in Christ. So we come into this household of God alive in Christ. That is where we are. That is where we live. That is where God has taken us. And so now, in 1 Timothy 3.14, what does this, or 14 through 15, what does this household look like? What does it look like? Because he says it's as one ought to behave. Now, we've seen some things, right? We are to be those who preach sound doctrine, right? Because he has to deal with false teachers in chapter 1. We have to be able to teach the law in its proper way, Paul says. That there's a proper way. There's a right way to teach the law, not as the false teachers were teaching it. We see Paul's testimony where Paul tells us in chapter 1 that this is a trustworthy statement that Christ came in the world to save sinners of who I am chief or best or better. 
So we see his testimony. We see that because of what God has done in us and this gospel that's in us, that we have gospel-driven prayer for all men and for the lost because God desires all men to be saved. We see where we have godly women within the church because in Ephesus they were parading themselves around with their, their, their opulence and, 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 and so forth. They had all of this stuff. They were braiding their hair and putting pearls and gold in their hair and they were drawing attention away from the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so he dealt with women and what a godly woman looks like. And we looked at this godly woman presents herself in a, in a beautiful way because of the beauty that's within her. Because of Christ that's in her, she desires to come and worship him. And then we saw godly leadership and what we should be looking for in godly leaders as we looked at the requirements of elders and of deacons. The next three chapters what we'll deal with will be all the warnings that he deals with. But in the middle here, we have this household. We have this household. Now, what is this household? The household of God. Look at verse 15. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. So we get a lot of stuff in that one verse. We get a lot of stuff in that verse. So first of all, household. Household is a family of God. That's what it is. It's a family of God. It's the temple of God. This is the household of God that we all live together. It is made up of every believer, not just here. It's not just the local church, but it's every believer. It's the universal church. It's the church that we don't see. It's the believers down the street. It's the believers down the way here. It's the believers that are over uh, in the North Valleys. It's all of God's elect that he has paid the price for this is the household of god it is called the church now we have the church universal and we have the church local we deal here with the church local this is the household of god it's these called out ones the greek word is ekklesia which means a called out people so with this we are members of god we are members of his church and we see that this is what christ did in ephesians 2 18 through 22 Listen to what the apostle writes. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So we are members of the church of God. We are to be good to each other in the church of God. We are not to speak badly of each other. We are not to backstab each other. We're not to sit there and say, oh, did you hear about her? Or did you hear about him? We are not to do this. We are to edify each other, right? That's what, that's what Ephesians 4 tells us, that we are, to, we are to build each other up in our speech. We're not to tear each other down, but we're to build each other up. And then in Galatians 6.10, it says this, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We're to be good to each other. We're to do good to each other. Each one of us is the temple of God. We sang the song, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. 
Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that that same power, that the resurrecting power of God lives in you? And does your life reflect it? Do you live the Christian life victoriously? Because you are the temple of God. God dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. That goes on to say that you have been bought at a price. So glorify God in your body. Because it is the temple, 1 Peter 2, 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is what we are to do. We are a holy priesthood. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. So each one of us is a temple of God. And not only this, but we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to love one another. We are to care for one another. We are to weep when one weeps, and we are to rejoice when one rejoices. This is the body of Christ. This is how we are to be. Because of the cross. Because of what Christ has done for you. Because of your great salvation. We are to consider others more important than ourselves. That is the household of God. Now, in the household of God, we have, as believers, we have a new father. We have a new father. Look at verse 15 again. If I delay that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. It's the household of God. It's not my household. It's not the pastor's household. It's not the elder's household. This is not Mark's church or Dick's church or Martin's church. No, it's not Dan's church down there at Grace. No, that, it's not his church. This is the church of God. This is the household of God. God is the master of the household. He is the master. He is not only that, but he is the living God, right? He is the living God. And this living God is, he is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. The church is God's possession. It's not ours. Now this living God is saturated through the Old Testament. It is everywhere in the Old Testament where they talk about the living God. And this is what's really cool about the living God, right? Because Buddha is dead. And Muhammad is dead. And Confucius is dead. But our God is a living God. He is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He is the living God. He is the one who sits in splendor and in majesty. Jesus Christ is alive. He is a human who walks in heaven, who is fully God, who intercedes for you and I. The living God is the master of the house. Listen to Deuteronomy 5.26. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and has still lived? Psalms 42.2 My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Brothers and sisters, does that describe you? 
Does that describe our souls? Sometimes we're not even in the word during the week, are we? This might be the only time you've heard the word this week in the reading of this week. But does your soul thirst for the living God? That is what our soul should be. We should be thirsting for who the living God is. Isaiah 37, 4. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of Rabashakah, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God. Jeremiah 10.10, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting king. Daniel 6.26, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall not come to an end. We talked about that in Sunday school. All the verses we read about Jesus' kingdom, eternal, faithful, merciful, never going to end, supreme, sovereign, over all nations, over all men. The White House does not rule, brothers and sisters, but the King of Kings rules. That is who rules. And His dominion is over all. We see this living God in the New Testament also, where Paul writes this in Romans 9, 26. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. You and I, brothers and sisters, are sons and daughters of the living God. The living God. In 2 Corinthians 6, 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And again in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned, from, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Brothers and sisters, when God saved you, when he opened your eyes, when he showed you your sin, and you repented of that sin, and you came to him, he opened your eyes, and you turned from your idols, and you turned to the living God. Because you saw the deadness of your idols. They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. They have a mouth, but they don't speak. But the living God has eyes who sees everything, has ears who hear everything, is all-powerful. He has a mouth that when it speaks, the earth shakes. This is our God, and he is the master of the house. This is who he is. God then is, he is the fountain of all life. He is life in himself. He gives life and breath in all things to his creatures. In him we live and move and have our being. Without a living God, we are dead. He is the one who gives life to all creatures. He is the master of the house. Third, this household has a foundation. It's the believer's foundation. It's the believer's steady this foundation, this footing. It's what we put our footing on. Look at 1 Timothy 3.15 again. If I delay that you may know one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. A pillar and buttress of the truth. Now this word pillar, simple, just means a post, a column, right? A pillar. Buttress is only found here in the New Testament. This is the only place this word is found. It just means a foundation. It means a, a foundation. Or better yet, down there would be the better foundation, right? So that's what we build a house on, right? We just don't 
build a house without a foundation, but we have sturdy foundations so that the house, when the earthquake happens, it doesn't move or it doesn't fall because it has a sure foundation. The household of God has a sure foundation, and that foundation is the truth of God's word. Now, this would have sparked a literal image in the Ephesians' life or in the Ephesians' culture because they had the temple of... Anybody remember? What was the temple? Temple of Diana, right? They had the temple of Diana. And this temple, this temple had 127 columns that went around that held up its massive roof. And so these, these were inlaid with gold also, these 127 pillars. So they would have understood pillars, they would have understood foundation. They would have understood what this buttress was, right? So what we have to remember, though, what we have to remember is that God is the source of truth, okay? God is the source of truth. The church is not. The word of God is the source of truth. The church is not. Because we can mess the truth all up, right? We can get it all distorted. We can go over it. That's why we have to have careful study. We have to dig into the Word to be sure that when we preach the Word, when we teach the Word, when we read the Word, that it's the truth of God that's, in, that's just indel- that's, uh, enveloping our hearts, right? That's what we have to be sure about. But God is the source of all truth, not you and I. The church is to be the support of the church, of the, of the truth. I'll get it out, don't worry. The church is to be the support of the truth. The church does not invent the truth. The church is to proclaim the truth, to hold fast to the truth, solidly and unshakably. Right? Let me read that again. The church is to be the support of the church, the truth. The church does not invent the truth. The church is to proclaim the truth, to hold fast to the truth, solidly and unshakably. That is what the church is for. But God is the truth, right? Jesus says it in John 14, 6, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. He is the truth. So how do we, as believers, how do we here at Faith Bible Church, how do we support that truth? How do we support that truth? A few ways. One, they believe the truth, right? Believers believe the truth. We here at Faith Bible, we believe the truth. 2 Corinthians 4.13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Do we believe? I remember long time ago, uh, an old pastor of ours, this is what he used to say. He said, do you really believe what you believe? Do we believe it? Does it really take root in our lives what we believe? Do we really live out this Christian life? Or is it just something that's added? Is it something that we, we, we feel that we have to do? Or brothers and sisters, do you believe that Christ is coming back anytime? Are you ready for him to come back anytime? 
Is your soul ready for Jesus to come back? Because you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Are you ready? Or are you asleep? He tells us we should be awake. We should be watching. Because it's in a moment that it's going to happen. In a moment. Are you ready? Do you believe that this is ultimate truth and there is no other truth besides it? Do you bet your life on it? Do you really believe what you believe? Do you believe the truth? Secondly, when we believe the truth, we'll meditate on the truth. We'll meditate on this word. Psalms 1-2, but his delight, this is the godly man, his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. It's his food. Our minds are, are meditating upon the word of God. Not who's going to win game three tonight of the World Series. Right? But it's on God's word. It's, it's dwelling in our minds. And, and Lord willing, once it's dwelling in our mind, the Holy Spirit will take it that 12 inches down to our hearts. And it'll start to impact our hearts philippians 4 8 finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there is any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think about these things think about these things last night last week i closed with that and the only honorable thing the only excellent thing the only thing that's worthy of any praise is jesus christ that is it just him we'll meditate upon his word we will treasure his word we will treasure the word listen to psalms 119:11 i messed mix those up i'm sorry angela i have stored up your word in my heart that i might not sin against you or i've hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you right what's going to happen one day when all of a sudden we have to take we have no more bibles Oh, that's right, I forgot. We got our cell phones. We'll always have the Bible app. What happens when you don't have that? When we don't have those things, brothers and sisters, we want to be hiding God's word in our heart so that we can always be encouraging ourselves. In those times when we don't have our Bibles, we can meditate upon the truth, memorizing scripture, meditating upon scripture, treasuring in our hearts. Why? So we might not sin against you. I think of Joseph in Genesis and Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife is making moves towards Joseph. The Bible tells us that Joseph was a handsome man. And she was making these sexual moves towards Joseph. And Joseph flees and he runs away. And he says, how can I do such a thing and sin against Potiphar? Right? No, he says, how can I do such a thing and sin against my God? God's word was treasured in his heart that he would not sin against him. Not only are we to meditate on the truth, but we are to be students of the truth. We're to be students of the truth. Listen to what 2 Timothy 2.15 says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Brothers and sisters, when we are a pillar and a support of the truth, we know how to rightly handle the word of truth. 
That is why we're a pillar, because we handle it rightly, right? And we're on that foundation of Christ. We're not going to shake. We're not going to be immovable. We're going to rightly divide the word of truth is what we're going to do. We're going to handle God's word rightly. And not only that, but we'll fight for the truth. We will lay our lives down for the truth. This is what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Part of Paul's calling was to preach the gospel. What it was to defend the gospel. He was defended the gospel. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we might be called to defend the gospel. We're going to have to defend it. We're going to have to stand firm on it. We're going to have to hold fast to it. We're not going to be shaken because we know the gospel is true. We know that Jesus Christ is God. We know that He is supreme. We know that He is sovereign that he is in control, that he has redeemed us, reconciled us. He has brought us into the right relationship with God. We know that his cross was sufficient for sin. Once for all, he paid the price. We know that to be true because of the resurrection and his ascension into heaven, that now he sits at the right hand of God on high. Do you believe this? And are you willing to fight For that, when somebody comes up to you and says, Jesus is not God. Are you going to be able to fight for that? We have to be able to fight for that. This is how we become a pillar and a support of the truth here at Faith Bible. And then our lives will reflect the truth with sacrifice. Our lives will reflect the truth with sacrifice. Listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Actually, what Paul says there is, this is your reasonable worship. This is what's reasonable, brothers and sisters, is what the apostle says, is what the word of God tells us. After he takes 1 through 11 and he tells us of this incredible salvation we have in Christ and what Christ has done for us, he then says what your reasonable, just reasonable, right? What your reasonable response should be is that you give your body as a living sacrifice to God. That's just reasonable. That's what he says, but that's what we should do. Continuing on, he says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. And what is God's will? It is good, it is acceptable, and it's perfect. Brothers and sisters, this is how we become a pillar and a support of the truth. And not only that, but we are heralds of the truth. We are heralds of the gospel of grace. We are to proclaim the gospel of grace. This is what we are to do in our workplaces. This is what we are to do when we're out in the street, when we're at the grocery store, whatever moments we have with people, even with each other, right? Even with each other. Don't we need the gospel too? Don't we all need to be reminded of the beauty and the grace of the gospel? 
We need it in our own lives because this world is filled with so many things that take our attention away from Christ that when we come together, we need to be renewed by what Christ has done for us. The things we see, the things we listen to, we need to be renewed in the gospel of grace. We are to proclaim this beautiful, excellent, splendid truth of the gospel. And that's what Jesus says. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews tells us that he will never forsake us or leave us. Wherever you go, brothers and sisters, Christ is with you always until that day that we will be with him forevermore. Matthew Henry writes this, when the, <clears throat> when the church ceases to be the pillar and ground of truth, we may and ought to forsake her for our regard to truth should be greater than our regard to the church. We are no longer obliged to continue in the church than she continues to be a pillar and a ground of truth. Wow. Powerful words from Matthew Henry. So, brothers and sisters, as we close, in closing today, may we this week be thankful to God that he has richly blessed us by bringing us into his family. May we praise him this week knowing that he abides in us and that he has chosen us and that we are in his church and that we are a pillar and support of his truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and thank you for your kindness. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, may we richly, richly let your word dwell in our hearts, Father, that we may see the beauty of Christ. Lord, thank you that you have brought us into your household and that we dwell there safely. We dwell there safely, Lord. May you be praised the rest of this week and in the rest of this day, Lord. We ask it in your name. Amen. Now, before we stand, I do want to say this. I did leave a section out on purpose. Verse 16 says, Great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. So this is to finish out that section, but I wanted to save this for next week because next week is communion. And so what a great passage that we get to talk about Christ next week completely and fully just about him and what this mystery of godliness. So not only do we, are we the household of God and God is the master and we have the foundation, but the household has a confession. And this is what we'll look at next week is the confession. So you guys will have to fly back down. So, <laughs> all right. Let's stand now and sing our last song.